everyone, and welcome to a brand episode of The Wrap right here on the Fike Media Network. Happy Monday to you all as we kick off a brand new week in WWE as we are under two weeks away from Clash the Castle going down live from Cardiff Wells on Peacock. I'm Keela Cash, and by my side, as always, is my right-hand man, my co-captain, the wise man, the sometimes advocate for the, dare I say, rapidly improving Von Wagner. I bring to you, as always, Salty Scott Young. Welcome back, Salty. Thank you for having me, Keela. It's always a pleasure to chop it up and talk all things WWE. This was an especially good week, I thought, of WWE television. Um, as always, they have to have a couple you know, baffling decisions because WWE is going to WWE, but a good week overall. So I almost came here perky, but there's always a couple things that keep me salty at the end of the day. Yes, and we wouldn't want to have it any other way. You need to be salty occasionally on this show. That is your gimmick now. You must embrace it for what it is. I'm fine with that. You know, I uh, I got salty tears. I'm ready to hand them out. I've been collecting them. Uh, I plan on handing them out in bunches at the clash, you know, because I, I think that's going to, I think there's going to be a lot of salty tears at that one. And I might even hand out some salty tears today because there was some really good matches this week. Yes, across the board, all three shows delivered some really great matches. And I think back to early July last month when we barely got maybe an hour of wrestling on Monday Night Raw and SmackDown combined. And that was the last days of Vince being in charge. And it's night and day when you see the length of wrestling on these shows and how good it is as of late and the wrestlers having more freedom to be themselves, which makes things so much more exciting as a viewer. Yeah, I agree. Now, I I will say this, though. There is going to be kind of an adjustment period as far as, you know, getting more accustomed to longer matches and more competitive matches with different guys. And, you know, we're going to talk about it more in depth, but kind of like an Austin Theory, Dolph Ziggler, a match like that, that got a good amount of time. And that match might not have gotten that time under the last regime. So, you know, that's something that the audience is just going to have to get used to. And I think the crowd reaction during some of the matches, it kind of showed that, you know, that they're not used to getting, you know, three good length matches on Monday Night Raw without a whole bunch of nonsense in between. So I think there is going to be an adjustment period as far as the crowd, the live crowd and reaction, just getting used to having good quality wrestling back on the sports entertainment show. Yeah, I kind of go back to when Paul Heyman first took charge of Monday Night Raw creatively three years ago, and it took a while for his vision to really be set in place. And it didn't take until like late 2019 into early 2020 when you saw the vision that was blown up. Unfortunately, due to the pandemic, but you saw his idea of pushing guys like Alistair Black, Buddy, Mur- Buddy Murphy, for example, getting Seth Rollins over as a heel after that disastrous baby face around towards the end with his feet with the Fiend, and how he tried to elevate Kevin Owens along the way heading into that year's WrestleMania, and obviously Juma. McIntyre winning the 2020 Warrior Rumble. It takes a while for one's vision to really get into place. And I think it's going to take a little bit of time for Paul Levesque to do the same. But I have full trust in his vision because nobody is going to be there to blow it up at the last possible moment because he's in charge and no one else, thankfully. 
Well, we hope, you know, there's, unless this turns into a real succession type TV show playing out, you know, <laughs> you know, there is that there is that longstanding rumor that Vince is still pulling the strings from, you know, from his couch at the house. You know, he's still got his own small screen on his, in his lap because he's got to have his gorilla position while he's watching the show from his from his home. So who knows what's really going on? But yeah, the show has improved and, and, and things like this are, are showing the improvement. I mean, there's just not as much nonsense on the show. Like, I think that's for me, that's the biggest thing. There's not as much stuff where you can be like, yep, I'm skipping that instant skip because I, I would tell you, I don't watch Raw live I, and I, I'm going to watch it 30, 45 minutes on delay because one, I'm not watching commercials. Yeah, I'm, I'm bougie like that. I didn't got spoiled by the DVR. I, I'm sorry. You know what I'm saying? It is what it is. And also, there's just nonsense on there sometimes. And, and, it, and it is what it is. They have nonsense. But there's just been less of that. And it's just because there's a clear direction. And you can see that. Yes. Less fluff, which is so greatly appreciated. More wrestling is going to take an adjustment, especially as we get to the main event of the show, which was a choice. But the good news is the number did not collapse at all, which was refreshing to see as it was a random main event, but people stuck with it. Maybe the people in the crowd left because it was Dolph Ziggler versus Theory. But you're going to have to retrain people to think about what wrestling is from a WWE standpoint. It is going to be a learning curve, but I think we'll get there in due time and good shows help that along the way. And I also think the other thing is you have to you have to establish guys and girls where you want them. And if you want Austin Theory and a guy like Dolph Ziggler, if you want him to be able to get guys over at a main event level and be seen as that guy who's, you know, right below the main event but can always play with the main eventers, They've got to get main event slots and you've got to put them in positions like this. And that's kind of what I mean by that adjustment period. You're going to go through kind of there's going to be main events like this where you have guys who you're trying to establish and you're trying to present to the viewers. Hey, this is a main eventer right here. This is a top tier guy. And I I want you to understand that, you know, you're going to have to you're going to have weeks like this where you just have a little bit of a quieter crowd. They were able to get the crowd more invested as the match went on. That's a testament to them. But you have to present the people how you want them to be accepted. If you want them to be accepted as main eventers, you have to present them as main eventers. And that means giving them the main event slots like this. Yes, and sacrificing numbers when need be to build them up for the future. It worked in AEW. It's trying to work here in WWE now, and it's for the better long term. And I briefly want to shout out our Facebook crew that voted on what we will review for the Patreon next Sunday. It will be... NXT TakeOver 2016. Now, we made a joke that we would veto this vote, but we're not. We're going to stick with it because I get to see DIY versus the revival. And for that, I will enjoy this show for what it is. Because the first couple of matches were totally preliminary. I wasn't feeling it, but I will watch it for that tag team match and the long-term storytelling that came with it. You know, I I, uh, I trust the people. We have a we have a smart group in our in our Facebook group, so I, I trust the people. And uh, you know, I'll, I'll let the the no way Jose Austin Aries match. I'm gonna have to endure slide. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give him a pass on that one. Um, but yeah, I I, I think we're, we're still in for a good show. But there are some some very skippable matches, but that's fine. It'll be a good show. Yes, and Paul Fontaine, our OG, 
deliberately did this to us saying, I only vote for the Otis show possible. So I blame him for setting the tone for this vote. But we will watch it because of DIY and the revival. That was art. So therefore, I will watch this show and put a smile on my face the entire time. And Shinsuke is NXT champion. This is, you know, this is still right. This is when this is Shinsuke versus Robert Roode. Samoa Joe, I believe. Oh, Samoa Samoa Joe. Joe. We'll see. Even better. Um, But yeah, I yeah, Shinsuke at this point, this is him at the at the top of the at his peak as far as his rise in NXT. So yeah, a lot a lot of good will be here. This will be. It's always good to look back and see where we were and kind of where we are and whatnot. So it'll be a fun show. Yes, and Bailey's last appearance on NXT had to take over, losing to Asuka. That was a moment as well. So we will review this show for historical purposes. Thank you, Paul Fontaine, in advance for stuffing the vote. But I digress on all of that. As we move on to this week's episode of Monday Night Raw, going down live from the nation's capital in Washington, D.C., and we kick things off with Judgment Day. And, you know, we've said this for weeks now, that Judgment Day would not be complete without Rhea Ripley. And when they came out suited and ready to go, my eyes went directly to Rhea Ripley because she's front and center. She, to me, is the leader of this crew. She sets the tone, the aura, changes when she enters the room and I am going to declare this for the world she can get cheddar biscuits or red lobster from me yes <laughs> you, ain't, you ain't gonna argue with me that saves me a trip that way you can bring her because she definitely can get the cheddar biscuits too that way I ain't even gotta bring her and she already <laughs> at the table so yeah you, you go ahead and bring her along that's awesome Front row seat. She gets the best seat right next to me and the biscuits front and center. So, yeah, she's awesome. And she <laughs> punked out Ray Mysterio. And I enjoyed that as well. And she delivered a DDT to Ray. I still think that she can't get physical in a match yet before what she's doing right now. I love her being the intimidator of this crew. Damian Priest cuts a pretty good promo too, telling Edge, I'm going to retire you in Toronto this upcoming Monday night. It's going to be a really fun atmosphere. Edge's first match in Canada in a dozen years. Crazy to think about. It's going to be electric that night. And I just love what Judgment Day is doing. I fully expect Dominate to turn heel at some point, but all eyes on Rhea Ripley being a badass. And I go back to the DX documentary that recently aired on A&E. And every time I saw China, I kept thinking about this is what Rhea Ripley is doing now, being the heater for this crew, being the heavy and putting in that work. And that presence is apparent, just like it was with China back in her days as a member of De- as a member of Degeneration X. Yeah, I think that's a really good comparison as far as, you know, she just she stands out. You know, you can't take your eyes off of her. But the thing about Rhea Ripley is she is 10 times the worker that China wishes that she was. And I I don't mean that as disrespect. I just mean that Rhea is that good. She I mean, she can do everything in the ring. We've you know, we haven't even seen the tip of what she can do on the main roster as a lead you know, a lead wrestler and I don't, and not just a lead female wrestler. Like I think she's right there with uh, Bianca Belair, as far as that new crew, not mentioning the horsewomen, that new crew that can kind of be faces of the brand. You know, Sasha Banks was a face of the brand, you know, Becky Lynch, when she was the man was a face of the brand for a while. That's how I, I, and I've been, I've been saying this for a while. That's how I see those two. 
and they're doing that with Rhea right now. Like they're doing that with so when she does have a match, when she does eventually face Bianca Belair, or just you know, even if she whenever Becky comes back, or if she faces Bailey or something like that, it's gonna mean something. It's gonna feel like a big deal because she's been presented as just this monster who's taking out these dudes left and right. She got Rey Mysterio thinking twice about swinging. He it ain't because she's a woman. Don't get that twisted. He ain't thinking because she's a woman. He's thinking, yo, if I hit this girl, she is going to catch my fist and throw me into the crowd. That's what she's thinking. That's what he's thinking. So don't get that twisted. He ain't being no gentleman. He is ta- he is thinking about himself. He is thinking about self-care. And that- that's how you present Rhea as a monster. And then she lands that DDT. I love how she she is the centerpiece of the group. And I like how the group is being presented as far as Damian Priest is going to be first up. He's picked up some wins. And you've built up Finn Balor. Finn Balor has picked up wins. So you've you've built up guys. So now when Edge goes through Damian Priest, like I'm fully expecting, it means something. So when the match with Finn Balor happens, it means something. I, I, I think they've they've done a really good pivot with Judgment Day, and they do all feel like equals, Rhea may stand out, but this group now does feel like a group of equals all attempting to get the same goal. You just have certain people who stand out more. Yes, and that's what's so important because we've been workshopping this group for months and it was a rough start in terms of lighting and the supernatural vampirism of it all. And now it's about three people, a collective that is all about whooping ass, all about control and domination, and it makes much more sense. And when you got a sensible person in charge of creative, you get Finn Balor to be who he's meant to be, a guy that, that a guy that doesn't smile, he's a badass. Damian Priest can no longer tell us to all rise and pay attention and rear replicate gets to be a badass and it just sets the tone for what she will do in the women's division eventually so this crew has a more defined vision they had maybe three months ago and I like the potential I like the presentation but just some things in terms of promo and wording and how they were presented threw me off a bit but we're still working on some things but this group is in a much better place than they were maybe in June heading into Hell in a Cell. Yeah, and, and you know, the the big thing is they just seem to have a direction now. And it's and honestly, it's not they want gold or they want this. This they're just evil people who are torturing the Mysterios. That is literally the story they're telling right now with this group of Judgment Day. You know, they're they're torturing the Mysterios and they're trying to turn dominant. They're like, yo, Dom, what you doing, bro? You know, they're they're even playing with him to the point where they're like, yo, turn on him and we'll let him go. And they still whoop the, they still whoop both of their tails. Like they're literally just playing and torturing them. Like this is this is like a, a horror movie that, where they, you know, you you capture a family and you just torture them just for fun, like a house of a thousand corpses type stuff. That's evil. That's that's how you present a a group like Judgment Day, especially with a sadistic woman like Rhea Ripley. Like, you know what I mean? Like, this all fits the, the presentation of this group without it being hokey. You present these people as evil people who are just torturing this family for no reason. I mean, that's essentially what the story is. Now, they're torturing Dominic for a reason. <laughs> 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 hey, but to see that, that that's the question. What 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 exactly is the reason that Rhea has chosen Dominic to be her pet? You know, what what exactly is that reason? And then and then the next question you have to ask is 
Why is Edge all of a sudden wanting to make his comeback to cock block Dominic? What does Beth Phoenix think about this cock block? You know, what what exactly does Beth Phoenix think about this? Because if I'm Beth Phoenix, I'm like, yo, why are you so antsy and worried about what's going on with Dominic and, and him getting dominated? Why you care all of a sudden now? Is that what you need? I can dominate you. I I can I give you the glam slam if that's what it takes. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like that, that that's I figured that's gonna be the catalyst of the feud. You got my man tripping, so now I'm back here to handle business. <laughs> that's her promo that's what her promo is gonna be when she come back. You got my man out here tripping, so I'm coming to take care of business. I gotta come out here and handle this because he can't. Like Straight this up. is too much. You know, he's he's trying here, but he's caught blocking Dominic. He wants to be punished. He wants to get beat down. It's a turn on from him. Let him get that edge. Damn it. Why are you interrupting his flow? I'm here to protect the Mysterios. I don't need your protection. Damn it. Let me get beat up. Let me be Rhea's bitch. Can I have that? Can I have this for myself? Damn. But, you know, we'll see how it goes heading into Clash of the Castle. If Dom turns, because apparently Rhea broke that man's spirit and maybe more things in the last week or so. You know, it's a it's a funny thing because I I've been noted and this is we're going to see this as as we go throughout the show. And I know we got stuff to talk about, but there is kind of a a recurring theme of, of trios forming in WWE right now. I, it's just it's just very interesting timing that all these kind of trios are, are popping up. Yes, factions galore, dare I say, that we're getting trios together in WWE. We'll see where it goes, if we introduce some things along the way. But very good observation. As we move on to easily the best thing from Monday's show involving Drew McIntyre and Kevin Owens. Drew comes out to say that Roman doesn't work a full-time schedule anymore, and he wants to bring honor and prestige back to the undisputed WWE Universal title. He wants to bring both these titles back to Raw and SmackDown, and he makes a very bold claim that I've been carrying this company on my back for the last three years. That's why it hurts so much, because I've been putting in that work in front of the camera, behind the scenes. And that leads to Kevin Owens coming out saying, really, you are the one carrying this company on your back. I think not. In fact, I don't think you know who you are. You were a kilt one minute, minute, you carry a sword the next, you talk in this very jokey accent, and you're trying to sound like a tough guy when you're not. I know who I am. I'm the prize fighter. I've been here for well over six or seven years now. I've been in the game more than 20. And I think about where I was six years ago in this arena facing Sami Zayn, a battleground, a classic match that still holds up. The fans remember it. And I want to be that guy again. I want to be the prize fighter, Kevin Owens, a guy that has not had a championship in WWE in over five years. And he wants a championship of any variety, universal, tag team, intercontinental, U.S. title. If you got a title in WWE, Kevin Owens wants it. And Drew McIntyre was not going to stand there and take this. He lets him know, listen, don't come for me. I know who I am. They fired me after being the chosen one 15 years ago. I was down and I had a scratch and claw my way back here. They called me. I didn't call them. And I beat Brock Lesnar. I beat Goldberg. I beat Randy. I beat them all to be WWE champion twice. So don't ever come for me with that BS. And in the line that got me is we're two wrestlers in a wrestling ring 
Let's freaking wrestle. KO was down. We get the match. It was absolutely fantastic for 20 minutes to DQ women things. But this was just great professional wrestling for over half an hour from the promo to the match and both guys talking their shit authentically and the crowd was hyped for everything they said and did in the ring. I thought this was easily the highlight of Monday's show and it reasserts Kevin Owens as a player for a championship in WWE and I got my eyes on which one or ones they could be down the road. This was an excellent segment. I um when Kevin Owens was becoming a free agent and, you know, before the Vince McMahon sat him down and said, Hey, I'm gonna give you the main event with stone cold. If you sign right here on the dotted lines, uh, before he offered him that contract, I, you know, I said that Kevin Owens could potentially be the biggest acquisition that AEW could get because he could do everything. He has this connection with the audience that, you know, you, you just can't teach like certain people just have a, a natural connection with the audience. And he's got that. He's one of the best talkers in the business, in the business, not just WWE in the business. I, I'll let him talk against anybody and he'll be able to hold his own. If not walk all over them, he's that good. You can put him in any role and he will knock it out the park. I mean, we, and we've talked about this on this show. We've, we've, we've praised him countless times to be able to build a match with Stone Cold by yourself when all Stone Cold did was drive out in the middle of his 200-acre backyard and on his four-wheeler and record a video promo and sent it in and was like, yo, I'm good to WrestleMania, right? And they were like, yeah, you're good. We got KO. And he took care of the rest. From doing that to getting Ezekiel over to people caring about him to the point now where people are like, oh, look at this. We got our freaking Eddie Murphy of the WWE since he's playing six different characters. <laughs> you know, he's now, or whatever, Martin, whatever you want him to be, he's that. Like, for him to have that, to go right back to the prize fighter and, and it all be believable and it all be, you know, where you just, you care. You want to see Kevin Owens do his thing. Even his sub-side story that Keela's very excited with an old friend of his, you know, that it's got her very excited about. I, like, he's able to do all that and have all these layers to him and keep that connection and keep that credibility. If he goes for the Universal title or whatever title, it's believable. One, because he's going to talk you into believing, hey, Yo, Kevin Owens might mess around and win this. And two, he's he's just got that when he steps in the ring, especially when he's got that prize fighter look. He was believable this entire match with Drew McIntyre, even though he's been going 50, you know, not 50-50, but toe-to-toe with Ezekiel. That's Kevin Owens. That's how good he is, man. I I can't tell you how excited I am that we're getting this Kevin Owens back going forward because that means like we're going to see that Kevin Owens that came and debuted in my hometown of Richmond, Virginia and laid out John Cena in his U.S. title and walked and stepped on the U.S. title as he walked out holding the NXT title. We're going to get that smug badass that doesn't care who's in his way. I'm so excited to get this Kevin Owens back. He is so versatile that he can give you sociopath. He can give you baby face. He can give you silly hill. He can troll you with a stone cold entrance twice. He can get Ezekiel over. 
He can threaten Roman Reigns. He can put on a great match against Drew McIntyre. And he hooks a crowd every single time. And Kevin Owens, outside of maybe, I want to say Seth Rollins, is probably the most believable person that I could envision beating Roman Reigns for that championship. We saw him almost do it three times nearly two years ago. That is his power. He is very capable of doing every little thing right. And he can be on a slide for a couple of years. He can be called a liar. He can be he can be Seth Rollins' best friend. He can be anything to anybody and still maintain his heat in any role. And Drew McIntyre, I think about where he was a couple of years ago, literally being a champion in a pandemic and nobody was there. And he carried, he did what he needed to do. And it's so nice to see him regain that confidence and speak more freely on the mic and let everybody know that what I got a couple of years ago is not enough. I didn't get that full coronation that was owed to me, but the world flipped upside down and he wants to get it right this time with people behind him. And I feel like both guys got something to prove and we got stories in place to see that come to fruition yeah i agree and and you talk about drew mcintyre that is somebody who you know he's still somebody that really hasn't gotten that moment you know he didn't his moment was kind of taken from him if you really think about it his biggest moment that he's had has been winning the royal rumble and that's something that you know he's still looking for and he's still going to get that's kind of what for me, at least, it was kind of what the intrigue is for this match coming with Clash is this could be that crowning moment. And that's kind of why I'm more intrigued with his match is because of where it is. And again, that's another guy when he's able to just talk freely as a babyface, as a top babyface that rallies the crowd and is like, yo, you call me the chosen one. Like you said, he, like he said in the promo, you called me the chosen one. Dude, I was fired. Like there's like I was fired. I didn't quit. I didn't my contract didn't get, you know, didn't get expired. I was fired. That's I mean, there's no worse feeling than anyone who's been fired from a job knows. There's no worse feeling than being fired from a job. And and to be able to and then I like the line where he says, and I didn't call them. They called me. You know, I I love that line that he threw in there to make sure that, you know, I put that work in to the point where they saw what I was doing. I I didn't have to do anything. They saw the work like that's what a baby face says. Those that's that's top tier baby face stuff. That, and he does that so naturally. The segments like this are just really show how how much talent that WWE just had waiting to be kind of unleashed. So this was a, a great segment and a great match with the right finish. You know, I, I know people will kind of roll their eyes at the DQ finish, but that's the right finish when you're trying to reestablish a guy like Kevin Owens and you have a guy like Drew McIntyre who damn sure shouldn't be taking no losses unless it's to Roman Reigns. Yes, perfect finish. Usos got involved at the end and Kevin Owens let him attack him. He hit him with a stunner and he lets the Usos know, let your tribal chief know he owes me. And as we watched SmackDown on Friday, we would hear Roman's response to that. And McIntyre, despite the DQ finish, which he won, by the way, as he was the one attacked by the Usos, he did lay out Jimmy and Jay to be the babyface standing at the end of the segment. So, you know, it was a great match. The finish made sense. And it was a, a slugfest between McIntyre and Owens. And I loved every moment of it. Owens was putting in that work on Monday and McIntyre was as well. And the fans were hyped. And what I love about it is that it was very easy for the crowd to turn on Drew McIntyre. But that 
that comeback promo, it was so good to let him know, you know what? I'm tired of you trying to say things for the cheap reaction. Let me check you. Let me let you know who I am and say, don't try that shit again. And I don't think nobody be trying it again anytime soon. Yeah. And, and, you know, as far as cross goes, you know, I, that's another guy who's been able to have free more freedom when his promos and we'll get to him on, on Friday. He's got to come with something different because Drew has, you know, kind of acknowledged that point that he brought up and refuted it. So now this is where your promo game really shows is when somebody comes at you with a point. You respond to that point. It's almost like a rap battle. You know, when you have two guys battling, when you come at somebody and they respond with your point and use it against you, that's when you're at the top of your game. That's what Drew did right there with Cross. It's interesting. Let's see what Cross does in response to Drew. Like, that's kind of how I like these promo battles to go, especially when they're not face-to-face. I love stuff like this. This is excellent promo work. Yes, count. It's like point, counterpoint, and mm-hmm. Cross was fire too last November. So you know what it's like to be demoralized, to lose your woman, to lose your essence as a performer, to really lose yourself in a lot of ways, and to get cooked on NXT by Adam Cole and never recovering. So you know what it's like to be at the very bottom, and now you're in that Drew McIntyre position. You get the call back, and you got the second chance to reestablish yourself as a monster. And he's proven that a bit with these promos, but eventually you gonna have to up the game even more and prove yourself in the ring that will be the truest test of all to see where he is in terms of really engaging and main audience crowd with his in-ring ability yeah that first in-ring debut is gonna be crucial Indeed it is. As we move on to another first ever matchup going down on Monday Night Raw for the United States Championship. It was AJ Styles versus the champ, the almighty Bobby Lashley. And, you know, this match was good, but I think it suffered from the dreaded baby face, baby face dynamic of the fans really didn't know who they wanted to pull for. It was very different from what we saw last week with um, Bobby Lashley and Ciampa, which was kind of split down the middle. But when it was time for Bobby to come through the fans were rocking for him more so than a title change which was refreshing to see this match was good kind of herky-jerky in spots in terms of miscommunication but I thought the best part of this match was Bobby Lashley locking in a grounded hurt lock to AJ Styles that was crafty he does spear AJ eventually for the win the match was fine it could have been a bit better but another highlight was Dexter Loomis jumping over the barricade and going after somebody it is very interesting that for the two weeks he's been back on Monday Night Raw he set a trash can on fire this week he caused a car crash backstage last week and every time he does something in the crowd it involves the Miz Ciampa and or AJ Styles and the question is who is he targeting and is there a Johnny Gagana reference somewhere down the road to play into all of this as well yeah the Dexter Loomis thing is interesting Um, I think they're doing a you know pretty decent job as far as you know, they, they did a good job of acting like, you know, what is going on? They cut right to a commercial. There was no, you know, they didn't, you know, you know, usually like they throw it to a commercial. You know, we'll be right back or what's going to happen here? It was just, hey, Corey, watch out. You know, what's going on? And then they went right to a commercial. So that, I like kind of how that presentation is going. There has been that dynamic of the same few people. There is the Champa Gargano connection there. It's it's an interesting thing, and it has people talking, which is what you want. It has people intrigued for Dexter Loomis. Um, Bobby Lashley and AJ Styles. You know, one of the bigger things, I think, with 
the difference between this match and last week with Champa versus Lashley, where people were invested the entire match, bought into the near falls. Champa was cutting promos for weeks. You know, he was building this match up. Even if Lashley wasn't acknowledging Champa, his sights were set on Lashley for weeks. And then him and The Miz have this story that had been building for weeks. You know, then there was a story with AJ Styles that had been building for weeks. You know, there's all of these, you know, different stories and different layers that came in. Because if you notice, when the energy kind of picked up a little bit was when Miz and Champa first came down. Like, you, there has to be an investment. And, and people, there isn't a, a, a story to get invested with AJ Styles right now. You know, the only thing you have to invest with him is it's AJ Styles, one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. I mean, that's that's the connection. And he doesn't you don't have anything. You're like, but AJ's going out like his goal is this, you know, or he's you know, he's having the fight against this. He's having this hurdle to have. He's having to, you know, go up against. You see, you know what the story is with Champa and The Miz. You know, you kind of see that. Yeah, Champa's leagues ahead of The Miz and The Miz is essentially using him. But you see Champa's using The Miz, too. Like, there's a story there. There's a bond that's starting to form a little bit there. Like, y- you need something like that to give people invested, especially when you're going against arguably, arguably the top baby face on Raw with Bobby Lashley. I mean, the reaction that Bobby Lashley's getting every every week is 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 very telling. It's always a positive reaction, always one of the best and loudest reactions of anybody and not to mention, he's he's been presented the best for the last three years outside of Roman Reigns. Again, another thing that I've been saying for a while. The only people who have beaten Lashley is Big E with a cash-in, Roman, Brock. That might be it. <laughs> I think those are the only people to have beaten Bobby Lashley. I just, you know, that stuff matters. And that stuff matters to the presentation and again, you put this in the main event, now you're saying, look at AJ Styles, the main eventer. You know, look at look at how we're presenting this. If it's not in the main event, nobody's buying the, the title change, but you put it in the main event. Hey, we might be on to some. AJ Styles is in the main event again. They didn't they're not putting him in the main event for no reason. You gotta you gotta kinda you have to have that mindset when you're thinking about the placement and stuff. And I know I talked earlier about you have to present guys how you want them accepted. And you have to do that with Theory and Ziggler. This just might not have been the week for that when you have a U.S. title match, a first time ever match like this between Lashley and AJ, when you could have presented it as a main event type big deal matchup like it is, like it should have been. Like They hyped it up really well and you should have spent another hour doing that, I feel like. Absolutely. And it would have gave AJ Styles a sense of purpose because he hasn't spoke as to why he wants the U.S. championship here. He won a match against the Miz the week before. But AJ hasn't had a good story in a very long time. And unfortunately, his feud with the Edge was kind of mm, so-so. It wasn't special. The chemistry wasn't as special as I would have liked it to have been but I just think that he needs a story and a hook for this championship match to really have some extra juice to it and be worthy of the main event and we're going to get to the main event right now involving Austin Theory and Dolph Ziggler and this really was built during a backstage segment earlier in the show when Theory called out Ziggler's career for being washed and how Ziggler remembers what it was like to be cocky to be Mr. Money in the Bank but he earned it nothing was given to him at the last possible moment and Theory 
and him had a nice little scrap backstage, which led to the main event. It was a very ballsy move by Triple H to put this in the main event spot. The work was good, but the crowd did not view this as a main event worthy match. You saw some empty seats after the initial commercial break, but I got to say Theory and Ziggler did put together a pretty good match. You need this to establish Theory as a player in the main event scene as Mr. Money in the Bank. That was a decision that predated Triple H in a lot of ways, and you got to see how far it goes. And I like his potential. I do like the more expressive freedom he has on the mic backstage to really get his character over. I still think he's better as an idiot, in my humble opinion. And with Exalumis back, he might be able to play into that playfulness moving forward, as I think everything's connected to Johnny Wrestling and Dexalumis and Champa for down the road. But it was a very good main event. But once again, Ziggler. Five years of me not caring for him very much outside of his run on NXT 2.0 as NXT champion. I like the babyface turn thus far. I needed a hook. And we finally got a reason for this match by him saying why he felt Theory got everything handed to him. But still, a main event spot, a choice. But the good news is, despite the misgivings from some people that were in the crowd and reviewed the show on social media and via podcast, the number did not collapse at all. It actually held up pretty well versus what could have been maybe three months ago when it could have fell off a cliff. But that really goes to the quality of Monday Night Raw as a whole, that you really have three good hours. It's going to be tough during hour three, but mostly you're going to get a good show if the booking lays it out. And we got that in the last month or so. And that's why these third hours are not falling as much as they have in the past. Yeah, and, and I also think the other part of it is I, I'm sure people probably saw the match and thought there was going to be something going on afterwards. Um, so, you know, you you kind of probably had that in the back of their mind thinking theories in the main. There's got to be something going on. They're not going to close with a Dolph Theory match. I, I thought the match was really good. Um, I know the crowd didn't give it that same energy and investment, but I, I thought as far as the work they put in, I thought it was really good. I think Austin Theory is really good. Like, I... I see everything they see in him. Like I, I completely get it. I think he's got all the tools. I think he can do everything in the ring. He's got a great look. He moves well. I, I really, really enjoy Austin theory. He's slowly becoming one of my favorite guys to watch. Um, you know, I, and I, I, I also think, you know, Keela, we talked uh, about, you know, either a week or two ago, you know, where does Austin Theory kind of fall in Triple H's pecking order? We know he was Vince McMahon's guy, but where does he fall with Triple H? I think this match was, I think it, it kind of is, was telling as far as where he kind of falls, giving him this main event slot, this main event win. I think that has to be the reason that was, this was picked for the main event was because they wanted Austin Theory to close the show, to be standing tall as we go to the credits. And again, you present your your wrestlers how you want them to be accepted. You want it to be accepted that Austin Theory can close the show. You know, don't be surprised to see Austin Theory taking a selfie as he as you see the credits roll. You know that like that's if that's how you want him to be presented as this main event closeout guy, and or you have to, you want him to be accepted like that, then you have to present him like that. So I I get the mindset. I just I think last I think that first time ever matchup would have been better suited for it. But like you said, the number didn't fall, and I think that's a testament to the like you said the quality of the show. But also, Austin Theory has been presented as a top guy. And I think with Austin Theory being in that main event slot, they just thought there was going to be more because of how Austin Theory has been presented. So I I think 
that is that actually kind of helped the numbers. And I think it will continue because, again, Austin Theory has been presented as a main event guy for the last couple months. He's been mingling with those guys. You don't expect him to beat any of them, but he's right there always in the mix. And that's how you keep a guy like that over and relevant without having him beat any of those top guys. And his presence isn't as suffocating as it was a month ago because it was overwhelming. This dude took up about 55% of the airtime. And I think that Triple H is trying to say, you know what, let's really put theory to use in the proper way. Let him set up a main event. Let him be the main event, but let's not overextend ourselves by shoving him down our throats. And that's encouraging. And that was my biggest critique. Like there was too much awesome theory on this show opening. He's in the middle. He's at the end. He's beating up people with his briefcase. It was too much, but I like the dial back approach of let him be where he needs to be in certain spots to get over. And maybe just maybe I would claim him as a fellow Atlantan, but I'm getting there slowly. Monday was a nice start, though. Hey, let me tell you something. You got you got something to be proud of with Austin Theory. I, I, you got a, you got a future champion on your hands. I I think I think he's a good one. Let me tell you this. All I've got is Mickey James, so I don't even really get to see her wrestling tomorrow. You know, us Richmond folks, we ain't got a lot of people. Hangman don't even come around Richmond. He's as close as I get for AEW. Ain't nobody in WWE from Richmond. At least you got somebody. I got a few people. See what I'm saying? I got AJ from Gainesville. I got Woodsy down Marietta somewhere. Jay lives in. in Atlanta. You know, Jay lives in Atlanta. So, you know, I got so, people. So, so, so now, now that Cody, you found the obviously. open wound, you poking your finger in it and rubbing it around. You found a bullet hole and now you just digging around in it. Now, listen, it was not my intention to rub salt in your heart. <laughs> there's a little molten salt right there just dancing all over your little heart I didn't mean it but I do have hometown representation which means a lot so <laughs> I got Mickey James and that's important damn it she's a valuable asset to the state of Virginia incredible asset to the state of Virginia and Nick Aldis lives around here so I guess he counts too I know they got a little home around here in Virginia so I guess I wonder reason I know that because they were on the local news doing something I don't know what they were doing, but they were doing, they had some type of, and it wasn't for wrestling or I think it might've been for a country album. See, giving back to the community with her music. That's what matters. She ain't give nothing. She ain't give like no free concert. Or you ain't, she ain't give nothing away. You ain't get no free demo or nothing. She ain't giving nothing to the, to back to the people. She making sure that people pay. She just letting the people know I'm, I am back. I'm not giving you nothing back, but I am back. My apologies. Well, <laughs> she gave a concert. I don't know if it was for free. Come on now. Yeah, if, if you no. if you got the recorded uh, bootleg version, it was free. <laughs> My goodness. <laughs> <laughs> One day, somebody from Virginia outside of Mickey James will rep you well. I have many people repping Georgia and Atlanta, and I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. It's all right, you know. I'll 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 make do, you know. I got Randy. I'm 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 going all the way to St. Louis. You're claiming Randy from another state. <laughs> the audacity from another time zone. Yes, you're jumping to the central time zone to claim somebody that doesn't live in Virginia. But Randy's Randy. He's a special case. I'll allow it. I do. It's either Randy or Shelton. Shelton's in South Carolina, so I guess I could take him. He's number two. Yes. Yeah. Okay. See, two. Two options. You can claim Sheltie. There you go. 
All righty. As we have our hometown biases locked in and ready to go, let's talk about NXT Heat Wave. And I am going to say the following. Heat Wave was so much better than the Great American Bash, which we bashed about a month ago on this show. Wasn't a very good show. This show was much better in terms of entering action. And we got an NXT UK invasion to boot. But I want to quickly run through these matches with Scott from this past Tuesday. First up was Carmelo Hayes versus Giovanni Vinci for the North American Championship. A great start to the show. Giovanni Vinci, my God, he is so good. He is so Good. The springboards, the crossbodies, the double moonsaults, the fireman's carry slam into a moonsault. All of his skills in the ring was on full display. Mello is money as well with his springboard ap- uh, with the springboard acrobatics as well. Trick is involved at one point, and the finish of this match was absolutely clean as hell. As Giovanni Vinci is going to power bomb Trick Williams, he's going to pick up Carmelo for the sit out power bomb, but Mello flips that into her Corona roll-up for the win. A very nice finish. A few bodges here and there when Carmelo was supposed to be deadlifted up by Giovanni and it was not a good result. But otherwise, outside of that, this was a very good way to kick off Heat Wave. Great match between Melo and Giovanni Vinci for the North American Championship. Yeah, this was a really good match. Um, my expectations were way too high. I was, I did come away a little disappointed, but that's completely on me just having way too high expectations for this match. Um, this was really good. Just complete action nonstop. I don't even think there was a, a headlock to be seen in this match. I, I really enjoyed the dynamic of Carmelo Hayes realizing that he... A lot of Carmelo Hayes' matches, he's never really out muscles. You know, he'll throw a clothesline and lay them dudes out, just like they'll do him. This match, it wasn't like that. He really played to his speed and really played up Giovanni as his powerhouse, the way he was attacking him, the way he constantly kept moving. He never really stayed in one place. So I like kind of that story they told with the way he... That's a completely different style the way he did it because normally he'll throw some power moves in there, but he didn't this time. And it was all about the speed game. So I really appreciated that aspect of it. Yes, really good way to kick off the show. And Giovanni Vinci, Fabian Eichner is a great worker. And I would love a moment on the main roster when Gunther looks at Giovanni and says, who the hell is this? It's not the Fabian Eichner I used to know. When did you become a supermodel? Just for kicks. I wouldn't mind him joining MMMMM. How many M's are there on there now? <laughs> the Mighty Male Maximum Models Ministries. <laughs> Ministries. Minutes. <laughs> Minutes. <laughs> the, the, the Minutes of the Maximum Male Models. That's a good one. The Minutes Maximum Male Models Ministries. Minutes. <laughs> that's that's it yeah I, I mean i mean they got like it's like it's like every time i see it the first thing that comes to my mind is eminem and i think of melina doing a split but this is not eminem and i don't need to see eli drake doing no splits i we will get to smackdown soon but i just love how he's just in our la night as max dupree i keep forgetting it is max dupree but he sounds nothing like Max Dupree anymore he's la night as max dupree <laughs> it's amazing how that happened like huh <laughs> he's slowly transforming back i know we're skipping ahead but he's slowly like transforming back it's the strangest thing i love it because it's great but 
Okay. It was random for him to go from French to I'm back to being LA Knight, but I'm not LA Knight, but I digress. As we move on to our second match in the card involving Roxanne Perez versus Cora J. This match was fine. It was kind of, you know, so, so in spots. Cora Jade still has a ways to go. Roxanne Perez is very good for her level of experience, but this match had a stupid finish when we had kendo stick shenanigans, which reminded me of Bailey being afraid to hit Alexa Bliss with a goddamn kendo stick years ago, and that killed her babyface push dead. So Roxanne Perez has a crisis of conscience. What do I do? Do I hit my former best friend with this kendo stick? Do I beat her ass? Do I get DQ'd? Rules be damned. No, let me put down the kendo stick very politely. Then my former best friend is going to sneak attack me. Then she's going to drop me with a DDT onset kendo stick. The referee counts the pin realizing, hmm, I don't think this is legal, but it's a pinfall nonetheless. It's just a shit finish to an okay match as this feud must continue. And, you know, Cora Jade has a nice look, but she has a ways to go in the ring. And Roxanne Perez, she's good. She also has more experience to gain on 2.0. And it has felt like this was an exhibition match and nothing more. I think I enjoyed this match a little bit more than most did. And and a lot of that has to do with the, the crowd. I mean, the crowd really amplified some of these matches. They were really hot throughout this entire night for the most part. And um, I think Cora Jade is much better as a heel as far as her presentation as a character. Um, she does a really good job hitting her offense. I, I, I thought some of her moves look pretty good. Like she has some good offensive moves. Um, it's just a matter of putting it all together. The finish we can get to, you know, the referee Instead of, first, let's get the Roxanne. Instead of throwing the weapon out of the ring so nobody can use it since you're not going to use it, you know, or or just even faking like you're going to hit her, her flinch, and then you roll her. Like, there are so many things you could have done with her as a baby face to not make her look like a buffoon. You got to do better, HBK. You know better. Now, the next part about it is with the referee. When the kendo stick hit the ground... The referee never reacted. Instead of kicking it out like they do with chairs, tables, whenever there's a a foreign object that's not supposed to be in there, when it's supposed to be a distraction for somebody else to come in or for another foreign object to come in, they always kick it out the ring. Well, this referee didn't do that. He decided to watch as, as, you know, Cora took a hit and then watch as, as, as Cora set Roxanne up for a finisher on the kendo stick. No DQ. And Cora looks at the ref as she grabs the kendo stick while she's pinning Roxanne. What? This is the part of the show where I threw my hands up and said, why? Why would you let the referee just look like a complete idiot like that? I mean... The match, the match was. I thought the match was fine. You know, it was bad. Fine, it was fine. But the finish, just regardless of any goodwill you built up towards that, or how anybody felt about the match towards that, the finish is what people are going to remember the most. And it was awful. I mean, it doesn't make any sense that the the referee would allow that to happen. That he would one allow the move to happen and then not push her the heel off and check on the baby face. You know, it would have been one thing if they hit the move real quick. He always sees the weapon. He kicks it out. Hey, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me check on the baby face. Can you continue? Roxanne's struggling to get up. She's like, yeah, come on, come on. I don't care. Come on. That's different. 
That's the baby face saying, yo, you're not going to end this match like that. I'm not going out like that. I don't care what happened. That's the baby face showing heart. This is just the baby face made a stupid decision. And then the referee looks even sillier for allowing all this nonsense to go on as he watches it. Like, there's there's so many simple things you could have done and got the exact same result. You could have kept the kendo stick. It could have came into play. Roxanne could have got a little extra by looking like this tough baby face while Cora's standing in the other corner with this grin like, oh, I got her now. I got her now. Looking like an extra dickhead heel. I mean, you could have gotten them both more over, more heat. One as a baby face, one as a heel. You know, I I don't know. And the wrong person won. Where does Cora go from here when you have Mandy Rose as champion? Why wouldn't you have Roxanne win here to build her back up to get ready to go after Mandy Rose? Even the result doesn't make sense because where are you going with these characters? This this was the match that turned the week for me and, and, and put me right back in the salty Scott. I'm so sorry. And I can understand because this match really frustrated me too. The ending was was dumb. It made no sense. And as you mentioned, where do we go from here? I guess we would have a no DQ match or a kendo stick match between the two to settle the score, I suppose. But you need somebody strong for Mandy Rose because she's run through this entire division. She is running out of people to face. We'll get to that shortly. But first, we got to talk about Santos Escobar versus Tony D'Angelo in a street fight. If Santos wins, he's free from Tony D. If he loses, he must leave NXT. But it should be noted that Stip of Legato staying with Tony D was not mentioned this week. And that might mean a call up for everybody, which I want to see the whole faction being elevated to the main roster. I thought this was a very good match. Tony D'Angelo continues to impress less than 30 matches under his belt, and he continues to impress. Santos season vet loved the entrance from the outside with the Lucha mask and the gear just looking so fresh and clean. We got a nice crossbody from Santos. Tony D wipes him out with a suplex with some chairs on the outside. We got Santos delivering that tope to Tony on the outside as well. But the end of this match comes with Alexa Lopez introducing a crowbar and she tries to hand it to Santos. It does not work as Tony D'Angelo is going to bump into Alexa Lopez, but we still have the crowbar and the brass knucks in the ring and both guys grabbing their weapon of choice. And Tony D'Angelo is going to make the first strike by landing the crowbar shot to Santos and knocks him out of NXT in the process. I thought this was a very good match. Probably Tony D'Angelo's best match since his battles against Pete Dunn earlier this year and Santos never missed is in the ring this is his final stop on nxt before moving up to our smackdown where he's meant to be preferably with the rest of legato as i think they can bring a whole lot as a faction to monday and or friday nights yeah i um you know first off the match i thought was really good the energy was really really good the crowd was hot for legato that's another great looking group another trio um that would you know that'd be another great trio right there uh you know this this is one of the matches where I kind of got this feeling that the guys who lost and the girl and girls who lost the matches really were the ones who had the crowd most with them. You know, and Tony D, let me tell you, man, he's been handing out pink slips a lot to a lot of these people. You know, Tony uh, Champa got it, and now uh, uh, Santos Escobar got one. He's handing out pink slips left and right. Let's not forget about dimes. 
you know, let's, see, let's not forget about he got the ultimate pink slip. Let's not forget about that. So, uh, I mean, this dude, Tony D, hey, that's he the truth. He's the one you, we should be watching. He, that's the one. You know what? We worried about Rey Mysterio booyaking bu- the show. We need to be worried about Tony D here in this show. I'm not going to say nothing negative about that man before his other. What's his other crony's name? What's the other guy's name? Stacks. 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 Yeah, two stacks. Yeah, yes. two stacks. He probably listened to pie. Stacks look like a podcast listener. So I, I got to be real careful before he go and snitch because he definitely looks like a snitch, too. Um, especially when he saw what happened to, uh, to Don. But no, this the match was really good. Tony, like you said, Tony D is improving every week. Um he, and then he's he's one of the guys like Carmelo Hayes that you really just are standing out amongst the group. They stand out amongst the pack. And he has an act that I think could be ready for the main roster. Like, you, I mean, it's not as over the top as it is, but it's he's delusional. He's just this delusional guy who's from the Bronx. You know, he's a Don. He thinks he's a Don. He thinks he runs everything. It's fine. You can, you can run with that on the main roster. You can play with that. You can have fun with that. And it's okay to have fun with some of these characters. Um, again, this is another character where I ask, where does Tony D go from here? Braun Breaker seems like kind of a, one, a, a natural progression. I mean, you beat Santos Escobar. Do you go after Carmelo Hayes again? You know, what do you? Where do you go with your Tony D as far as a babyface? What babyface are you targeting to go after next? Or do you take do you you know are you kind of the the henchman behind Legato and they go after the tag titles for a little bit and you you know you're pulling the strings? What do you do with Tony D now? I think that's going to be the interesting thing as far as Santos. Whenever he goes to the main roster, I think he's going to be taken care of. You know, we got to remember now we have a different guy in charge of what's going on and he's going to take care of some of those guys and girls santos escobar was a cruiserweight champion for trips and i think he's going to take care of him on the main roster too he's going to be good to go and you made up you made a very good point talking about tony d'angelo and the people he pink slipped this year let's count the ways one more time for the record pete dunn lost his name Mm. and became butch Champa lost his first name and got moved up to Monday Night Raw. Dimes lost his job in more ways than one. And Santos has been fired up to the main roster. This man has collected four bodies this year. He is the Grim Reaper. He is the Grim Reaper. Reaper, I can't say it. The Grim Reaper of NXT 2.0 for 2022. And you, you mentioned the four bodies. Don't forget to mention the two names. You, you mentioned they yes. lost names when they got caught up. That counts. <laughs> so let's mention two names as well. Hey, this dude, is, hey, he's just taking whatever he wants. You know, there's this, there's this, I can't believe I'm saying this. There's this Puff Daddy meme going around right now of him screaming or something going, oh, it's 2022 and I'm a freaking savage. That's what Tony D is saying right now and in the back. It's 2022 and I'm a freaking savage still as he sends people home. That's, that's Tony D right now, man. He's just, he, I'm scared for who's next for him. I don't want him to feud with Carmelo Hayes. Because I don't know what's I mean, going, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't want that. I'm worried. Thing. I'm worried. Listen, Roman, watch your ass in the next couple of years. I'm just saying. Hey, I'm worried about my boy Grayson Waller. You know, I got worried when I didn't see him on the show. I'm worried about Grayson Waller. We're going to pray for him. You know, Tony D, he's marking people left and right. We got to pray for people. Every time he faces them, it's no joke. And the stats and the numbers and the names 
Don't lie. As we move on to Mandy Rose versus Zoe Stark for the NXT Women's Championship. I'm going to be honest. I think this is Mandy Rose's best title defense to date. Unfortunately, Zoe Stark got concussed at some point during this match. But I love the story of targeting the surgically repaired knee of Zoe Stark. She goes for that GTS quickly. Mandy blocks. She does hit it eventually for a near fall. But Mandy Rose was a savage at the end of this match by removing the knee brace, protecting Tony Stark. uh, Not Tony Stark. Zoe Stark and she puts the knee brace on herself and I don't know if this is legal (laughs) in some way the referee saw this okay take your opponent's brace put it on yourself and knock her out to retain your championship the referee flexibility on this show was something else but she retained the championship it was a nasty way to win but I kind of loved it and I thought that Mandy looked good in this match she was motivated Zoe Stark looked good too hopefully the concussion isn't too bad but overall a nice championship defense and easily Mandy's best performance since being champion to date unpopular opinion it might be a hot take but Mandy Rose might be the most well protected and uh, wrestler on the entire 2.0 brand, and that includes Braun Breaker. I mean, she is presented as a top tier, as a top tier act. I, that's that's how she's presented. And let me tell you, 2.0 has done a lot of good for her. You know, I, I I mean, if you look at this match and you look at her match with Sonya Deville that she had at SummerSlam, you know, the one before Sonya went on her hiatus. It's, I mean, it's, it's leagues and it's, it's leagues difference, you know, and, and that's Mandy putting in the work and, you know, people, when she first went down here and obviously there was, there was some truth to it because the camera angles don't just zoom from the cheeks up for no reason, but you know, people just thought she was there to just be this, this thirst trap. And that's partly true, but she also was putting in work and she was working with top tier talent who really elevated her. And you can see that now as she's working with Zoe Stark. You brought up the the knee brace about whether that was legal or not. I will say this. Zoe Stark hit a couple moves with that knee brace early in the match. She hit that the that flipping GT reverse GTS, whatever that is, that nasty move. She hit that with the knee brace too. So I, I think that's kind of it is and since it's a protective wear, I guess it would be equivalent to having like a like an arm sleeve on or something like that. So I guess in that case it would work because I'm with you. I, I loved the finish at how she beat the knee down in the ropes and then when she you know, she hit the knee earlier and Zoe kicked out. And that's kind of what led to her putting the knee brace on because Zoe had hit her with the knee brace and got some near falls out of it. So again, there was a good story. The story came full circle with the knee, using the knee brace on Mandy Rose's knee. Like It was a full circle story. And I don't know if she's going to do this. I would love for Mandy Rose to walk around with Zoe Stark's knee brace <laughs> in this meantime and just start using that as her new finish. Like She already uses the knee, but now have that, oh, I hurt my knee. I got to start wearing this knee brace. Now that she realizes she can do it, I think that would just be a nice extra layer she could add to her heel character. The knee brace gives her power 
And I love that for her. And that would be a great gimmick, actually, to have her claim the knee brace as her own. Keep a souvenir that belonged to Zuri Stark. And I love that angle for her. And Toxic Attraction had a good week. Gigi and JC appeared on SmackDown, beat Natalia and Sonya Deville to advance to the semifinals of the Women's Tag Team Championship Tournament. They'll face Raquel Rodriguez and Aaliyah next Friday on SmackDown in Detroit, Michigan. So good for Toxic Attraction. A good week all around for the trio. Yeah, and I'm I'm looking forward to whenever Mandy does come up because I think those three on the main roster could could be very good. I think they could get a lot of heat. I think they could be a very good act on the main roster, especially for some baby faces to kind of topple. Yes, with more freedom on the mic and not following a script so much, which would be so much better. And no more camera zooms. That'll make me happy as well. Unless it's after ten o'clock, because then you could all bets yes. are off after ten o'clock. <laughs> Raw after dark. You need to zoom in for horny hours. Do what you got to do because Rhea will probably be dominating Dominic around that time period. But let's get to our main event of Bond Breaker versus JD McDonough for the NXT Championship. This match was good. I was more impressed with Bond Breaker than JD McDonough standing moonsault here. Top rope, Frankenstein, there just dominating this dude. JD has some moments there as well with the Spanish fly off the top rope and a brain buster for a near fall. But Breaker lands not one, not two, but three spears and the Gorilla Press Slam to retain the NXT Championship. And when the show's over, we get a cameo appearance by not yet NXT UK champion in the timeline, but in real time, he is the NXT UK champion in the form of Tyler Bate. We have a face-to-face confrontation and Vic Joseph with his so not subtle ass saying, oh my God, is worlds colliding here on NXT? Like no shit. And the next day, Worlds Collide is going down during Labor Day weekend on September 4th, the day after Clash of the Castle and around the same time as All Out for AEW, but airing in the afternoon prior to the AEW pay-per-view. And this leads to a larger discussion of the end of NXT UK. We had Gallus attack Diamond Mine this past Tuesday when Roddy was revealed as a rat in the group. But I guess they got to stay together for now to fend off this invasion. And Apollo Cruz's vision came true. And then Vic Joseph pissed me off even more saying oh my god apollo's vision came true because we can see into his eye fuck you stupidity on display which you're that so even have an ass but all of that aside we're shutting down nxt uk we got blair davenport in the house we got gallus in the house tyler Bate, and unfortunately we cut a lot of people too many names to list here on this show mark andrews and flash morgan webster is the the most disappointing cuts, but hopefully they come back soon. But all in all, I think this is a good move for WWE as they expand into Europe, the next to Europe launching sometime next year as the next to UK really served its purpose for its time. But now I think it's time to elevate NXT to USA and kind of integrate the two brands and really give this show a boost in terms of experience. People that can bring much value to the show. The ratings went up for heat wave. And if you integrate these two brands together and kind of de-emphasize the greenness to leave that to NXT level up on Peacock, this would be more, balanced show which would line up with Triple H's vision of what he wants NXT to be moving forward yes yeah, um, as far as the match goes real good match I, I really like JD I think he's really good in the ring uh, I really hope we get him versus Carmelo at some point for the North American Championship Carmelo has to lose at some point and I think he would be a great guy to lose that title to uh, Braun looked great I think Braun you know, whenever whenever they want, Braun's ready to go, I think. You know, I, think, I know some people think he should stay there a little longer. 
I, just, I think you're only going to get better when you get thrown into the fire. Some guys need to be thrown to the wolves, and I think Braun's a guy you kind of throw to the wolves because I think he can handle it. He every 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 challenge, every time he's been up against somebody, you know, of, of that type of caliber, he steps up to the plate, and I think he would do that if you put him on the main roster. So whenever they're ready, I, I think he's ready to go. Um, the whole NXT UK thing it kind of pissed me off personally because I'm you know. With the vacating of the U of the NXT UK title, this is a great time for people to jump in. I spent last week talking about this is a great time to jump in the first round of the tournament, and then this week, you know, Tyler Bate has a match, but he shows up on you know NXT UK with the UK title, and it's just like, why couldn't Tyler Bate just show up? You know why why couldn't he just show up and be, and be standing at the top of the ramp like, yo, I got my eyes on you. Everything could have stayed the same. Again, you get the exact same destination, and, you know, and just in a, you know, without having to go through all these detours, like why, or you know, without having to do that, you just didn't have to do that. People, people know who Tyler Bate is. You putting the NXT title on him doesn't add anything to Tyler Bate, and that's not a knock, but we know who Tyler Bate is, and you have a show that you're you're still putting out. Like I, I hope they finish the tournament. I wanted to. I wanted to see the tournament. I wanted to see Tyler Bate, and I'm assuming it's going to be Trent Seven in the finals because I think that would have been a great match. They have a great story. I just that kind of pissed me off. But you know, me getting over that, I think Tyler Bate versus Braun is going to be great. I love watching um, you know big strong boy toss guys around. Him versus Gunther is one of my favorite matches ever under the NXT banner, NXT or NXT UK. Yeah, I've never seen a match build to a body slam as great as Tyler Bate and Walter. I, and he will, he'll be able to do that with Braun. Like he's, he's just, he's excellent. So that'll be great. The Gallus thing. Yeah. Vic Joseph talking about, yeah, the vision that, that Apollo saw, what the hell are you talking about, dude? Another point where I wake, where I throw my hands up and I say, why, why would you even say that? Because now, now if you saw it, why did Diamond Mind see it and say, well, Roddy's laid out. There's green lights later. Roddy, weren't you just at NXT UK? Who comes out with green lights everywhere? Oh, yeah. What do you know? We got laid out by Gallows green lights. Hey, you know, like, I, why wouldn't you go and say something to Apollo? Hey, Apollo, these visions you have, and what's that mean with us? Can you go back to sleep so you can finish that vision? Like what's you know what what do I need to do to trigger the rest of the vision, you know this I, like you said that's that's how that's a Raven episode was they would just show you the aftermath not how you got there or what's gonna happen after just that one part so then you do all the nonsense to get all the stuff wrong to get to that part, man if I'm if I'm Roddy Julie, hey bro I'm gonna need you to go back to sleep I'm gonna need you to take a, a bottle of Robitussin and you don't wake up until you get that full vision out your head. Like, what type of nonsense is that, Vic? I like Vic Joseph, too. And then he just says stupid stuff like that. And it's like, bruh, you got to be better. You got to be better. Like, you just don't have to do stuff like that. That's two things that they didn't have to do in the main event segment. That just pissed me off for no reason. 
it was so stupid and like the vision thing like you don't have to say it out loud dude Mm-mm. we can see it we can pretend that it's bullshit don't acknowledge that oh absolutely is bullshit and we're completely just jumping into the fourth realm of what is this like don't do that but otherwise a good show a fun heat wave and now we have the integration of nxt uk and nxt 2.0 as we introduce very soon nxt 3.0 with less colors now and i know we, i know we got still got to talk about smackdown but i will say this about this you know 3.0 that's potentially coming this influx of uk talent is exactly what the 2.0 roster needs all they, especially if they can get a good amount of them to come in like the different styles that they're going to be getting. Like this is what these guys and girls and who they need to be working with, because you're only going to get better so much working with the same people. So this influx that they're going to get, I think this is really good, especially for the bronze, the Carmelo's, the Tiffany Stratton's when she gets to work with some of those uh, UK women as well. So I, I think this is going to be a very good thing for some of these guys and girls, especially the younger ones, like I mentioned, and Tony D as well. I have a few fantasy matches I want to reveal before we move to SmackDown. Give me Miko Satamora versus Wendy Chu as soon as possible. Love to see it with Wendy Chu being very serious. And uh, give me Ilya Dragunov when he's healthy against Braun Breaker. Mm. Yeah, that, that that's a good one. I, um, and for for Dragunov's warm up match, you know he's got to have one where he he gets introduced. I'd like for him to uh, go against Giovanni as his warm up match as well. Ooh, I would love it too. Oh, the possibilities. This is going to be a good thing for NXT moving forward as we move to SmackDown, going down live from the Bell Center in Montreal, Quebec, Canada. This was a very fun show. The crowd was hyped for two people in particular. Roman Reigns, who they knew pulled up in a Yukon, and before he popped out the vehicle, they were cheering. That's crazy. And the second most popular person, who might be the most popular dude in the building that night, was none other than Sami Zayn. And he finally got his meeting with Roman Reigns after all of this time, and this was art. We got Roman Reigns Coleone back, the gaslighter himself, saying, hey, Sammy, have a seat. Tell me what's going on lately. So Sammy proceeds to snitch on Jey Uso. Yeah, Uso's been getting on me lately, saying I ain't pulling my weight. I got to do this and that. I got to prove my worth in the bloodline. And I saved him last week from a Claymore. He still didn't appreciate it. And Roman says, you know what? I understand. Jay's blood. He's my family, but he can be a hothead sometimes. I get it. You're good with me. So Roman ra- Roman's phone rings and Sammy picks it up and it's Jay on the phone. He can't cross the border for reasons and Roman sits back down and he tells Sammy about hmm, Kevin Owens how's your relationship with him these days and Sammy says I don't really talk to him that much but Roman says he mentioned something on Monday about him and me and I owe him a favor and I want to let him know I owe nobody anything ever I owe him nothing you tell him that and Sammy reiterates I don't communicate with Kevin Owens like that. We're good. And Roman satisfied with the answer as Sammy vies with the IC title later in the show in a fatal five-way match. But all of this was fantastic. And the foreshadowing of Sammy gaining his confidence as his own man and having KO by his side as his best friend, potentially facing the Usos for the undisputed tag team titles makes me so damn happy. This is subtle storytelling at its best with a brief flashback to Thunderdome Roman being a professional 
gaslighter and he gaslit the shit out of Sami Zayn on Friday night in a great backstage segment. Yeah, Roman, uh, I mean, James Roman St. Patrick uh, was was definitely in his bag in this one as he talked to his Tommy and was uh, really planting some seeds and, and, and really manipulating. I, you know, this is the mind games that Roman, when R- Roman was really, you know, establishing himself as this tribal chief when he was playing with Jay, getting in his head, and now he's doing it with Sammy and we're going to get Kevin Owens, like you said, probably breaking Sammy free. And I, I fully expect Sammy Zayn to pin Jay, Jay Uso specifically for those titles. Um, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't care what anyone says. Nobody is touching Roman Reigns as far as just reaction and presence go. When he comes out, the, the, the entire atmosphere changes. People get up out their seats there is no piped-in noise. You just see the audience stand up. You see ones. When he got in the ring later on, I know when he got in the I mean, it's like you said, when he pulled up in the van, before he even got out, the, the crowd was just going nuts for this man. That's a top-tier guy. Um, great segment. It did a good job leading to later on in the show, especially the main event segment. Uh, so good all around. Very excellent job with Roman. Sami Zayn is uh, becoming a great highlight of the bloodline. I have a stupid smile. I have like a stupid smile on my face every time I see Sami Zayn. He's so great. And his face turn eventually is going to be so good for him. And this is great long form storytelling by WWE. Cannot wait to see how it all plays out in due time. As we move on to possibly the most polarizing segment from SmackDown this past Friday. So it was supposed to be a maximum male model segment involving Maxine Dupree, Max Dupree playing the role of LA Knight. We got Marseille, we got Mansoir, and we got Hit Row interrupting everybody. They beat down Marseille and Mansoir, and they have a rap cipher in the ring. And from my perspective, I thought it was pretty good. I will say the Kevin Dunn, those camera tricks, I didn't like it very much. I prefer the OG NXT presentation from last summer, but I will say this. I just wanted this to be a bit more stripped down in terms of hearing the lyrics from B-Fab and Top Dollar specifically and not let them be ahead of the beat so much. And Ashanti is not a rapper. We can kind of see that. Let him be the hype man when need be. And I want to kind of cut off this notion. We need to add members to this crew. I'm not for that unless you can rap. And the only rapper that's out there right now that could fit the bill would be Leo Rush. And I don't know if he's coming back to the company. He's been teasing things recently. I don't know if it's going to happen. That would be my pick. But as of right now, this trio needs to find their own footing. And I think maybe a backstage cipher would have been a bit better. A a shorter concert might have helped. And not being ahead of the beat would have went a long way. Because I kind of think about AEW with the acclaimed Max Caster. Ironically enough, with the beat, he's great without it. He's not a very good acapella rapper. And in the case of Hero, they need to be on the beat and their lyrics and to be front and center and maybe strip down a bit more for the people. But for what it was, it was a nice experiment to see how a rap cypher will go on SmackDown. Maybe do a, a more sleeker production backstage, then do a more nuanced performance from the crowd to get the heat on the heels at the exact same time. You know, I um, it was a little. I got into a little spat on uh, in our Facebook group. You know, good conversations as always. But you know, I, I felt very strongly about this this segment because of you know a lot of the pushback that it got. And 
last week a lot of you know a lot of what was said was who is hit row what is hit row you know what are they doing what what is what are they bringing what do they do what sets them apart so this week they do what set them apart and you know i saw some people saying it was terrible it was one of the worst things they've ever seen they're not good rappers you know and my first thought is if you don't you know one you're not you you're not listening to the lyrics and i get that you kind of have to you need to dumb down lyrics and make it as basic and abc as possible when it comes to rapping and wrestling fans and i get that and that's fine that is fine you know that's it worked for john cena it works for max caster whenever he's not getting put on time out by daddy khan you know so it works for people but you, you know i i to for them for people to say it was bad i I don't think you've seen a bad performance if that was bad. Like we've we've seen some bad performances. Nobody remembers them them strip teases that ECW was doing with them three women. Those Kelly bad. expose. Come yeah, on now. with Layla and whoever. I think it was Layla and whoever Layla, else. Layla, Brooke, and That's Kelly it. Kelly, who, who had no rhythm. She could not work that pole at all, girl. Just saying. I ain't, I ain't never seen. Listen, I'd have been to a lot of clubs with a lot of white women back in my day when I was younger. I ain't never seen a stiffer white woman than Kelly Kelly. And let me say, it, those are bad performances. Now, listen, if you're going in there expecting 3 6 Mafia walking down Mark Henry, I get it. You're going to be disappointed, you know? But this, and that's not what this was, but it was fine. Top Dollar had some bars. They showed you who they were, and I thought that was important this week. Last week, they got the dominant win in the ring. This week, they cleared the ring, and they showed you what they are. This is who they are. They're a hip-hop group. You can take them or leave them, but this is who they are. And I, I appreciate that, that you're establishing who they are. Now, we don't have to do this again, and I will admit it probably went a little too long, but I just thought the, the pushback was was way too strong for this segment. Did they not see Cesaro and Sheamus trying to rap, doing a rap battle with the Usos? <laughs> Come on, man. I mean, there's been so ice, much ice, worse Jamie? stuff. Really? That was not a bad performance. I just think that in terms of production, yeah, I would say it was a choice. I will say they were ahead of the beat a bit. It was better on NXT. It was a bit more nuanced and it was a bit more stripped, which I appreciated. That will come with time. They will go do backstage ciphers, which will be better. And they will dumb down the lyrics for their opponents when need be in a more quieter setting when you can kind of hear what they got to say. I just think it was a bit too much gaga with Kevin Dunn doing too much of the camera zooms. It was very distracting. And I love Pat McAfee, but never talk over a performance again. Let them have their moment. Let it settle. Let it marinate. Groove when you need to groove. But I, I love you, boo-boo, but don't ever talk over a rap performance again. That took me out of it as well. Yeah, Pat, you see, Pat used to be in backstage at these rap concerts where he can just be like, yo, yeah, you heard, yo, he killing this right now. You can't do that when you got the mic on, bro. You know? He used to be in backstage, you know, we got that backstage pass. He didn't realize he was still on the mic. But yeah, I'm with you. It's 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 going to get better. And I think another part of that is in NXT it's still it's a smaller venue. This is a much larger venue. It's a you know, that's a completely different environment as far as performing, hearing yourself, you know, making sure that you're on beat, making sure that your sound is on beat. Like it's very for anyone who's who's performed or done any type of singing or any like it's very different, especially when you talk about the sound performing in a smaller venue and in a large kind of arena like that. It, it you it's something you have have to adjust to and if you haven't done it before it's it's 
you're not going to be used to it. So I think there is going to be an adjustment period. And ne- next time they do it, I guarantee it'll be 10 times better. Exactly. So I think a little bit of over-exaggeration, not the worst thing ever. Did you see Bobby Lashley and his sisters? That's all I want to say. Okay. I want to clarify that. Katie Vick still exists. Okay. That's 20 years ago this year. I've seen far worse than this on Friday Night Smackdown. As you move on to the best match on the show, a fatal five way to determine Gunther's opponent for his IC title for the first time on pay-per-view Clash at the Castle. The streak is over as we had Happy Corbin versus Matt Cat Moss versus Ricochet versus Sheamus versus hometown hero Sami Zayn who got the ovation of ovations. Ole, ole, ole. You gotta love it. Michael Cole drops an El Generico line which popped me as well. That man is truly free on commentary to be himself. Shout out to Bailey as well. Your antagonized Michael Cole from the barricade from ringside this past Friday. Michael Cole had a night on commentary, but this match was great. I loved the big hoss battle between Matt Cat Moss and Sheamus. He bruised up Sheamus's left leg. I'm like, damn, y'all fighting back there. And then he threw him with a follow-away slam from the second rope. He was just putting in that big hoss work and he's starting to stand out in a good way. We just got to drop the name. It's dumb, but he's putting in that work. Ricochet was amazing as always. Happy Corbin was shirtless during this match. He was doing work as well. Sheamus had the crowd going with his clubbing forearms, 37 of them at one point as well. But Sheamus was the secondary star to Sami Zayn, who was over every time he got in a wee bit of offense from a Michinuku driver to Ricochet to Haluva kick to Ricochet as well for the win unto Happy Corbin pull Sami Zayn out of the ring at the last possible moment because Sami was out of this match due to a shoulder injury from a white nose off the second rope by Sheamus. He comes back, the crowd is into it, but ultimately it's Sheamus landing a bro kick on Happy Corbin to face Gunther for the IC title at Clash of the Castle. My heart was with Sami Zayn, but the match I really want to see is Gunther versus Sheamus. My God in heaven, that is going to be a big hoss battle. Violence on display. And both men were absolutely, positively beat the shit out of each other in Cardiff in a couple of weeks' time. Yeah, this is a great match. Uh, uh, Moss has incredible uh, bursts of speed. Sheamus looked great. I thought Baron Corbin pulled out a couple new moves. He looked good. Ricochet got to have a lot of hope spots. Sami Zayn was the star of the show. Star of the show. And and the crowd was fully behind him, fully invested. Um, He's going to play a role in the title match, I feel like. So that's why he can't have that match. Uh, and, And, you know... I think the best match is the one we're going to get. That Sheamus-Gunther match, like you said, it's just going to be a physical, physical match. And Sheamus has a story that he can tell with that match as the IC title is the one he hasn't gotten. So, real good match. And, uh, yeah, this is probably going to end up being my match. This would probably be what I picked for my match of the week. But great, great match. Yes, I'm going to be very bold in saying the following. If Gunther and Sheamus took place, took place at the Tokyo Dome, six stars. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we might we might still get it. Let me tell you, they're gonna they're gonna if they get about fourteen minutes, and if that crowd is as hot as I think it's gonna be, them it's gonna be that's gonna be a banger of a match, man. It's gonna be hellacious. Sheamus, like John Cena, the one title that has eluded him is the Intercontinental Championship. He won't win, 
but he will put up one hell of a fight against Gunther. That is going to be beautiful violence in a couple of weeks' time as we quickly move to the main event of Friday Night SmackDown involving the most over guy outside of Sami Zayn, the Universal Champion Roman Reigns coming out to a great ovation, and he has bars for Drew McIntyre saying, you know what, I don't work full-time schedule anymore. But let it be known, anybody that says... They're the face of this company, that you carry this company on your back, that you're the main event and you're not me. You are lying. Drew McIntyre, you are a liar. And normally I would acknowledge liars, but you are beneath me to acknowledge you. So Drew McIntyre comes out and once again, he's filling himself on the mic saying you don't deserve these titles because Paul Heyman vouches for you politically. The Usos fight for you physically. You do nothing on your own and here you are alone by yourself scared of me knowing I got your number. And this leads to a brawl between both men and once again, Sami Zayn in the clutch takes another Claymore, this time for Roman. Roman lays out Drew with a Superman punch, goes for the spear, but he is Claymored by Drew McIntyre and McIntyre stands tall to wrap up SmackDown a very good face-to-face confrontation to wrap up the show a very good SmackDown and I really don't know what to think heading into clash between Drew McIntyre and Roman Reigns for the Undisputed Championship I truly believe Drew McIntyre needs to win a championship I don't know if WWE is in the mood to split a title but We've been teasing this man's coronation dating back to WrestleMania at the PC. He got it with nobody there. He had to play it up for us at home. We thought he was going to get it last year against Bobby Lashley. Bobby was a bit too much over at the time, and rightfully so. And this is your next chance. 60,000 fans there. It's basically going to be a sold-out building. I would love for Drew McIntyre to have that moment. I cannot imagine pissing off an entire country, but knowing WWE, they would. And I just got to think Roman is not working a full-time schedule right now. Do we really need both? Do we really need both belts being held up heading into the fall? I don't know. A draft is coming up. I would prefer you split the belts down the middle. We'll see how it goes, but a great go home segment for the Penoso episode next week in Detroit. Yeah, this is a really good segment. Uh, Definitely added to the build for the title match. And I think it definitely adds to the mystery as far as who is going to win because now it kind of adds to if the Usos aren't there, there is that potential that Drew can beat him when he's one-on-one. So really good, effective segment. Absolutely. And Sami Zayn taking another bullet for the bloodline, which plays to that storyline as well. As we wrap up the show with the best damn television match of the week. And quite honestly, there is a lot to choose from between NXT 2.0, Friday Night Smackdown on Fox and Monday Night Raw. Yeah, there's a ton, you know, and I handed out, you know, I had all kinds of tiers to hand out. You know, the the AJ Styles Bobby Lashley match got a solid three and a quarter tiers from me. Almost got three and a half, but uh, crowd just wasn't there. The Heat Wave, I mean, I'll, just about all of those except for Cora and Roxanne, they all got three three tiers from me. I thought the main event got three and a half. Um, Mandy and uh, Gay got three and a half, but my match of the week was the five way. I thought that was a solid uh, four and a quarter tears uh from from the salty one i really enjoyed it the crowd was behind everything everyone got a moment to shine and there was a little bit of intrigue as far as who was going to win and that definitely adds to it and drew versus ko on monday got four tiers so the five way gets my my match of the week 
I agree. The five way was really good on SmackDown. Everybody shined. That was so key. Nobody was just alone doing their own thing. Everybody had some shine. I saw Matt Cat beating up Sheamus. Sheamus put in that work. Corbin had moments. Ricochet was flying around, got booed every time he went after Sami Zayn. But that was intended because Sami Zayn was the de facto babyface in that match. And he was by far the star of the show. And my runner up is McIntyre versus Owens. It's a really strong match that went 20 minutes to promo were everything so all in all when we really can't decide what the match of the week is because everything is so good that is a very encouraging sign the wwe is doing things right in terms of producing great wrestling up and down their shows as of late which is what we wanted for a very long time and now it's happening on a more regular basis and you know i know we got to go but i want to give a big shout out to dewdrop man i i love dewdrop i (laughs) I, I just really love watching her wrestle. I love watching her go. And I really hope that there is going to be some type of renewed interest in her because I think she is so good and could be so much more than what she is right now. I think so as well. I shout her out every chance I get as well. So good. I want Piper Nevin back as soon as possible. I miss her and she is a valuable asset to Monday Night Raw. Shout out to Asuka as well. Once again, vibing to Bianca Belair's theme song. That is a great recurring theme on that show as well. Shout out to Shayna Baszler as well as she tapped into her vicious streak on SmackDown by feigning going after the left arm of, of Liv Morgan and just punting her in the face. And she left a mark. Liv was battered, taking pictures of that boot to the face while Shayna was wearing some Air Jordans. That was something. Yeah, that was a really good segment too. Um, you know, I, and again, I think that that clash at the castle is, is, is shaping up to rival WrestleMania night one as far as the, the pay-per-view of the year. I It has potential for WWE to be the show of the year. I, I think it's going to be a really, really good show. Yes, the UK is about to get fed in the best possible way in two weeks' time as we inch closer clash at the castle. And on that note, this wraps up this week's episode of The Wrap right here on the Fight Game Media Network. I want to thank Scott, Salty Scott Young at that for joining me as always, chopping things up when it comes to all things WWE with the star ratings in form of tears per the usual. No, Akila, it's always a pleasure. And, you know, come come join the Facebook group. Come be a part of the conversation. We're always in there. People are always posting stuff. We, you know, we post fun things. We have good conversations. There's good people in there. Join the Facebook group and, uh, you know, just come be a part of the conversation. Like like Keila said, we put out polls and stuff. And, uh, you know, when we when we do feedback for the shows, we read the comments. Come join the Facebook group. Yes, just do so. It's a fun environment. It's It can get contentious sometimes, but it's always healthy debates, and that's always a good thing. It's a very safe environment if you just want to blow off some steam and have very healthy conversations about what we love, which is professional wrestling. But we'll be back next Saturday right here recording the show as we get ready for Clash of the Castle going down in a couple of weeks on pay-per-view. So for myself and Salty Scott Young, that's a wrap for all things WWE.